That, uh, the announcements today show that you're never too young to get involved serving. If Nathan can do it, so can you. Man, it's good to be here this morning. It was good. How, just for the record, how many stayed up till the very end last night? Oh, yeah. How many of you had a huge knot in your stomach the whole time that you're just like, this can't be happening? It was intense. And then it's like, okay, it's Saturday night. We got to get ready to go to bed and get up for church the next morning. But it's like, how do you sleep after that? It's like you're, you're wide awake, all this adrenaline. So it was good. Everybody's in a good mood this morning. Uh, for those that don't even know, and it, for those of you that don't know, the Steelers played last night. That's what we're talking about. And it's, it's kind of a big deal in Pittsburgh. And it reminds us, uh, we saw they showed, they scanned some of the crowd and the players on the other team last night. And there were people crying. And it's like, Silas was kind of in that mode of, yeah, you know, we won in your face. And I was like, hey, bud, we know exactly what that feels like. Like, have, let's have a little sympathy. I had sympathy for the fans, not for uh, Vontez Perfect. We, we don't have any sympathy for him. But for the fans in Cincinnati, we'll pray and we'll intercede that their hearts won't be broken and that they'll, they'll still find God in the midst of their pain this morning. <laughs> Apparently, Pam doesn't think I'm being very genuine and sincere with that. Uh, comment. Your, your, my, my faith was wavering last night. I, I will be honest. It was it was dicey for a minute. But it's it's good to be up and about this morning. We we came on the way to church this morning. It's like there's no traffic on the road. Where where is everybody? It's because they stayed up and watched the game. They were still sleeping this morning. But we made it here, so it's good. And God is here. That's the important thing, right? We we've met with Him already this morning. He's He's met with us, moved our hearts, and He's going to continue to speak to us out of His Word this morning. If uh, if you've if you are one of those people that you've ever been jaded in the past by, oh, every time I go to a church, all they talk about is money, God brought you here to set you free this morning. Because I talk about money every January. And it's, it's, not, it's, it's funny because you always have a couple people that show up and they've, they've got that mindset of like, oh, I would, all those other churches, all they care about is money. So I, I came to try your church out and see if it's different. And they always show up on the Sunday when it's like, hey, we're going to talk about money today. So if, if, if you're here and that's you, just be free. Know, know that God cares about you, cares about your stuff, and he wants us to give. So we're going to talk about that for the next couple weeks. Um, there, here's how, show that cartoon. Here's how some people think church works. Some people are a little bit jaded. Uh, the, the usher's counting the offering. He tells the pastor, just one dollar. Looks like it's time for that sermon on tithing again. And there are people out there that they think that that's how church works, that it's just about, okay, we've, we've got to do this. We've got to get the people to give more, and that's, it's really all about the money. It's not about the money. It, I'm going to say that up front before we get into any of the details and any of the teaching and all that. It's about your heart. It is about your heart. Look at your neighbor and say, this is what counts. My heart is what counts. Now, money is really important, and we're going to see about that today. Jesus talked about money a lot more often than I usually do. You know, I'm, I'm only going with once a year. We're doing a series in January, but Jesus talked about money all the stinking time, didn't he? If you read through the Gospels, almost a third of Jesus' parables had something to do with giving and money. If you read through the book of Luke... One out of every seven verses in the book of Luke talks something about money, treasure, wealth, something like that. And that's, that's pretty amazing because I think you start reading through Luke and it's like, oh, it's the Christmas story. And that takes a couple chapters, but pretty soon you get into it and you realize, man, Jesus talked about money all the time. 
and where our treasures were and what, what we were doing with our finances. So what does that mean? That means that our money and how we handle it is important to God. There, there's something that can't be denied. And we try, you know, there are, there are people that don't like to talk about money in church. And they, they think it's a taboo subject. But our money and how we handle it is important to God. I don't think Jesus would have talked about it that much if it didn't mean something to the Father. Because Jesus said, I only say and do what I see my Father doing. So money is important. And uh, it's still okay to talk about money today because it takes real money to reach real people in a real world. There, there is something about the things that we're doing here. It's okay to talk about money in church, even though there have been abuses. And how, I don't, how many of you have ever heard or seen something in a church that you were just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're doing that with money? I mean, I mean I've heard, because I hang out with pastors a lot, and I've, I've heard some horror stories, not because I've visited like a bazillion churches on my own, but there are churches, like they'll, they'll ask people to come and meet with the pastor. And he'll sit down and tell them, well, here's how much you're supposed to give this year. Like, like coercion and strong-arming them. Or, or there are churches where they'll go back and count the offering and come back out and say, well, we're, we're going to take another one. Because that didn't cover all the expenses this week. And, and you guys got to reach deeper into that pocket. You're holding on to God's money. Come on, there are all kinds of abuses that happen. Hey, we're, if you've ever been in a church, if you've been around to some churches in town, you've seen this. Here's the $50 line. Here's the $100 line, and here's the $1,000 line. Wow. Come up and get in the line. Wow. Come on. You, I mean, you don't know how blessed you are if you haven't had those experiences, but there are real weird and awful things that happen around money in churches. And, and some of you are looking at me like, I don't believe that story, and it's true. Because <laughs> some of you I see are also nodding your head like, I've been to a place like that and I've seen it. And it, and it turns out, it, it, you know, you have a situation like that. It becomes like that deal where Jesus took his disciples to watch the Pharisees giving. And it says they were lining up to go give their gifts in the offering where everyone could see them. And it becomes a status symbol and a, and a giving thing that is like, look at me, not look at God. There are very real abuses that happen in churches. But that doesn't mean that we should never talk about money in church. Come on, if, if, if we stop talking about everything that's been abused in a church, we, we would never talk about it, half the things in the Bible. Come on, it's okay to talk about money in church. And if you've ever met somebody that's, that's been abused that way or they're jaded towards church and God's people because of the money thing, you can set them free with the truth. You, you can say, you know, that's, that's not really how it works. Let, let me tell you what God is really like. He's a good father. That cares about us, just like we sang this morning. That's not just words in a song. Right. He really is a good, good right. Father that loves us. Right. And if you've been around us for a while, what, what are we? We are a diverse supernatural community that helps people encounter Jesus. And it takes real money to actually provide ministry opportunities and provide a place where people can come and encounter Him. Right. The, the last time we, we called, the gas company didn't allow us to heat the building for free. I, I enjoy coming to church and God's people, but I enjoy it more when it's nice and warm in here. And, it's, you know, I don't have to keep my coat on during service. You know, the, the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, they didn't say, hey, we're, we're going to give you your food for free today, you know, to, to give away to the people in the community. It actually takes money to do ministry in the world. There, there, is real, there are real needs and real things that we do that cost money, but they help people encounter Jesus. And that's, that's one of the things we're going to look at today, is that how should money really be used? Uh, so if you are here, 
and you're a part of our church, if you're a member here, and you are committed here, this is a place where you give. If you believe in what we're doing at New Life Fellowship, part of that is we give. Is that okay to say it that way? And that's, that's not trying to strong-arm anybody. That's not trying to force you into to, to reaching deeper in your pocket. It's just a, a matter of course. The things that we care deeply about and we're committed to, our money follows those things. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm trusting that if you care about what we're doing at New Life Fellowship and you love to see people reached, then your money will follow that also. Yeah. So everybody say, it's okay to say that. Okay. See, I didn't say turn and say that to your neighbor. That was for me. <laughs> It's okay to say that, Pastor. We're, we're good. We're with you still. So uh, during the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk a little bit about money this January and some of the things we're going to hit on. Uh, today, we're going to start with some money basics. And uh, these are things that I, I may or may not have touched on them in the past. I may have preached about them before, but we're going to go into them quickly and just assume that everybody's kind of on the same page. I will give you some verses about them, but we'll just hit the basics. I don't want to spend multiple weeks on it. Uh, I'd like to get into a little bit today of what it means to give an acceptable gift to the Lord. There's, there's an interesting book I've been reading that's really been challenging me as far as my giving and how I see things. So I want to get into that a little bit. And then over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about where should our focus be when we give. And, and I'm going to try to answer for you the big question. What's the biggest question everybody always asks about giving to church? How much? Has anybody ever gotten that? How much should I give? And maybe you don't get it often, but as the pastor, I get that question a lot. Well, how much am I supposed to give? That's on everybody's minds, and there's so many different opinions about it. You could go to five different churches and get five different doctrines about, well, here's what you're supposed to give to the church, when and why and how you do it. So we're going we're gonna to touch on that a little bit of how much does the amount really matter? Because we already said it's our heart and, and our that's good, Mike. Our first inclination is the amount doesn't matter, but we're going to look at that a little bit differently this time around. And so, so come over the next couple of weeks to get in on that. Uh, but he is after our heart. That is, that is the main thing. But we're going to see the amount does matter too. So we're going to look at that. But today, how many of you have ever uh, enjoyed your time in math class when you were in school? Yes. I feel at home. Uh, for, for the sake of the recording, like half the hands in the room went up. There are places where you don't get anybody saying that, but we've got a church full of engineers and people, people that have studied a lot and they enjoyed math. So today, when, when we go over some of the money basics, I'm going to give you some easy math equations. And some of you are looking at like, I just checked out. I'm not going to hear any. It's okay. They're easy. Even, even if you didn't pass math class in high school, these, these are easy ones. So we're just going to get right into it this morning. The money basics. Here's the first equation I want to give you. Money plus love is bad. Come on. I told you these aren't going to be hard equations, right? If, if you're looking for deep, profound, and hard stuff, go somewhere else. You're, you're going to get simple and easy here at New Life Fellowship. Money plus love is bad. And uh, this, is, this is one of the things that gets so confused and convoluted. How many of you know what is the root of all evil? The love, the love of money. How many of you have ever heard that misquoted? Sure. Yeah. Come on. You, you get people. That's one of the most misquoted verses in the whole Bible. They go around saying, money is the root of all evil. And, and then they wonder, why, why do people look at you funny when you're at church saying, money is evil, give it to us. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> what, 
how does that, I'm, I'm going to take all yours, so, you know, I'm going to throw myself on the grenade, so you're not tempted, you know, just give us your money. It's not money that's evil, it's the love of money. And where does that come from? First uh, Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10 says it, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, everybody say some people. So you must be talking about somebody else, right? Not, not me. Some people. We, we do that when we're talking. We don't want to own it. He says, some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And actually the, the Passion Translation says, loving money is the first step towards all kinds of trouble. Man, loving money will mess you up. And uh, money is supposed to be a tool. Can I, can I say it that way? Money, money is a tool to be used, just like your hammer in the toolbox at home. It, it should be just a tool to help you accomplish something, but it ends up competing for our affection and our trust, doesn't it? And if we're not careful, I, I don't know about you, but I haven't been in a place where my hammer or my drill competed for my affection or my trust. So even though money is supposed to just be a tool, there is something a little bit different about it, isn't there? That, it, that it, it tugs at our heartstrings and it's like, hey, come over here with me. And, and the Bible says that if we love money, it's the root of all kinds of evil. And it says that people will even wander from the faith. You lose your trust in Jesus because you start to put your trust in money. And we have to be careful. If we aren't careful, money will get our love and our trust and it will destroy us. But it's supposed to be a tool. Even Jesus used money, right? Yeah. Come on. Un- unless... I know I've said this before, but unless Mary and Joseph had a huge gambling problem, like betting on the races down at the camel track, they probably had money in their household. Do you remember this Christmas story? Who shows up after the shepherds? A little time goes by. The wise guys, right? Not the mafia. The wise men showed up. And they brought all kinds of gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So unless Mary and Joseph had a huge problem or owed all kinds of debts, Jesus probably grew up with some money in his household. He traveled around with a big group of people. He had an entourage. Okay? It, it actually, I don't think anybody was saying, hey, I'll house and feed all your group you're traveling with for free. Right? It probably was the same way if I took Dylan and Daniel and some of the young guys somewhere. There's no hotel I know of that would say, oh, Pastor Chris, we love you so much. You're such a nice, wise guy. We'll just, we'll just let you house everybody for free and we'll feed you while you're here. Come on, there was probably some money. If, and if you, if you doubt that, if you're traveling around with a group of guys and you designate one of them to be the treasurer, hello, I, you don't give somebody the position of a treasurer if you don't have any money that needs to be resourced and taken care of, Right? And I wasn't pointing at Zach, calling him Judas. I was just, I'm just saying. If, <laughs> I'm just saying. Jesus actually had money that flowed through their hands, and they used it as a tool, but it never owned him. He didn't love it, and he didn't put his trust in it. His trust was in the Father, and he knew that. Hey, as, as an example, hey, we need to pay that temple tax. Yeah, we could take it out of our resources, but watch how much the Father loves you and cares for you. Go, go catch a fish. Come on, there, there are some guys in church that would be excited if I said, go catch a fish today. You were, go, Joe, Joe's looking for a word for 2016. The word is go fish more. There you go. And Joe says, amen. Yes, God just confirmed it. We just have to be careful because the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And it, it will destroy us if we're not careful. It is bad to make money 
the goal of your pursuits. Here's another equation for you. This, this, one is, this one might be a little harder for you. Ready for it? Generosity is good. Okay? There's, there's another easy one for you. How many of you are passing math class already? This, this, I wish math would have been this easy sometimes. Generosity is good. That's what God wants for us. Uh, this goes counter to what the world teaches. How many of you... Well, some of you aren't old enough. I'm, I'm looking around the room thinking, who saw Michael Douglas in Wall Street in the 80s? It was a movie, and his famous line from the movie was, greed is good. Oh, all, the, all the people under 30 just looked at me like, what are you talking? Who's Michael Douglas? That old guy? You know, yeah. Yes, he used to be an actor, but... He, his famous line in this movie was greed is good because he was trying to teach all these guys who were up and coming Wall Street traders and investors and he was trying to get them to be cutthroat about how the world works regarding money. And he told them greed is good and it's the exact opposite. That's, that's what the world has fed our culture. But the kingdom is the exact opposite. Generosity is good. That's what God is after. He's after our hearts to be generous. Uh, in Psalm chapter 37 verse 25 it says this, Uh, David's reflecting on what he's seen in his life. And he says, I was young and now I am old, yet I have never. Everybody say never. Never. Are there many things that we can look back over our lives and say never, ever? Like I've never seen that. David says, I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. They are always generous and they lend freely. Their children will be blessed. We are supposed to give. Can I just say that? Generosity is one of God's values that he wants to work into our lives. And that's usually not people's questions, is it? No, nobody, nobody yet has argued with me about, should I be generous? Should I give some stuff away? The question is always the one we said earlier. Well, how much? And that's where the heart issue is. That's, that's the heart question, is how much. And we'll get to that next week. But we are supposed to give. Verse 26 in that verse is actually a description of righteous people. If you're in this room, if you're saved, you're a righteous person, right? This should be a characteristic of our life. He's talking about the righteous and he says they are always generous and they lend freely and their children will be blessed. Generosity is actually linked to our children being blessed. If if you are a good parent, none none of us are as perfect as the good, good father we sang about, but we're all trying to come towards that and be molded in that image. If you are a good parent, you want your children to be blessed, don't you? There, there is nobody in this room that we could ask and find this morning to say, hey, what, what do you think of your kids? What kind of life do you want for them? Well, I want them to suffer. I want them to have to go through the worst situation. Nobody in their right mind would say that, would they? We want our children to be blessed. And one of the ways that Scripture says our children get blessed is by us being generous, by us learning how to give. And that's, that's not something you're going to get in a worldly financial class. That's like they'll tell you, oh, save up a nest egg for your kids. Here's how to set up a retirement account. If you need help with that, you can see Chris. He'll, he'll help you all about with what's going on at the end of your life and how to transfer that money. But the Bible says if you want your kids to be blessed, one of the most important things you can do is learn how to be generous. Amen. Learn how to be a giver. Yeah. And you set your, your children up to receive something. It was God, come on, it was God being a giver. That blessed all of his children, wasn't it? For he so loved the world that he gave his son. Man, talk about your children being blessed. There's something that we've walked into because of Jesus that we can never earn ourselves. And it came out of God being a giver.
If there is ever an option, err on the side of being generous. Okay, and, and I'm, I'll be the first one to admit, I am working on this in my own life. There, there are times when I do things and I'm like, yes, that was exciting. I passed that test. And then there are times where I can't believe how selfish I am. You know, I've been, I've been walking with Jesus for 40 years and I can't believe that I didn't pass that test again. How could I be this way, God? You know, we, we start feeling like Paul, you know, after walking so far in his life and thinking, man, I know what's right. I want to do the right thing, but oh, I always do this. This is, this is a real challenge for me, but I know God's working it in my heart. And if there is ever a question, if there is ever a choice, err on the side of being generous. Trust God in what he wants to develop in us. Everybody say, okay, pastor. Here's, here's another equation for you. This one's a little more complicated. I've actually got a, a plus and a minus sign worked into this one. It, wealth is a blessing from God. So what's that mean? Us plus blessing. blessing man, bluffing? Blah, 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 blah. Blah, 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 blah. Sometimes that's what people hear when pastors speak. Blah, 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 blah. It's like Charlie Brown's teacher. You're listening and all you hear is wah, 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 wah. See, I like to think that everybody's hanging on every word and you're just like, we're with you all the way, pastor. It's like, I, I know how life works. Gosh, how did I get on that? Us plus blessings equals wealth minus trouble. What's that mean, Pastor Chris? God's blessings bring wealth, and he adds no trouble to it. Here's a verse for it. Proverbs chapter 10 and 22 actually says, here's that equation written out in Scripture form. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth, and he adds no trouble to it. Now, that word wealth in that verse, if you go back and study it out, guess what it actually means? It means wealth. <laughs> like like forms of wealth, like money and possessions, and it actually means wealth. And he says the blessing of the Lord brings wealth. And that's something that we get real uncomfortable talking about that in church because of all the, the, the error and the overindulgence and the overemphasis of what people call the prosperity gospel. Has anybody ever heard the phrase prosperity gospel used in a negative light? You know, because what the prosperity gospel says, for those of you that aren't familiar with that term, the way the reason people use it in a derogatory format is they say, oh, you're preaching about prosperity as an ends unto itself. Like if you give, God will be forced to bless you and you'll have new cars and new houses and new Cadillacs and whatever. And and it gets so out of balance that it's like the abuses and the out of balance of that prosperity type of message has made people gun shy from actually reading a verse like that that says the blessing of the Lord brings wealth and adds no trouble to it. Now, wealth is a subjective term. Does that, there, there is no number on that. Does that mean everybody's going to have a million dollars in their bank account? No. You know, Philippians, Paul talks about you should be content in whatever state you're in. You you can do all things because Christ is strengthening you and you can be content wherever you are. But wealth is a subjective term. You may not realize it living in the United States and feeling like, oh, man, the the man's on my back and all these taxes and I I can barely afford to have phone service and a TV. Do you ever hear people like that? They start talking about those things. And uh, my, my friend Justice from Africa, he says, your poor people are rich here. Yeah. You know, he comes to the United States and he's like, they have toilets inside their house. Yeah. Everybody. And, and they, they have more than one TV in their house. And, and a phone, like he's looking at it. These people are trying to say, oh, we're so poor and we don't have anything. And he's thinking, 
you're like the wealthiest 1% that I've ever seen in my life. Wealth is subjective. And we need, I think part of us walking in the blessings of God is learning to appreciate what he puts in our lives. Because there are too many times we complain about it and say, oh man, this stinks and I don't have this and I don't have that. It's like, well, what do you have? What, what could you put on the I'm thankful for this list? Ouch. That was, that was not an amen. That was an ouch moment. Wealthy is subjective. And, and come on, I know this. Don't, don't hear me wrong on this. I know that the wealth that the Lord blesses us with, His blessings encompass more than just natural wealth, right? Yes. It, 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 our soul is supposed to prosper. Yes. So there, there are things that are more than just natural. So we don't want to get out of balance on that. But the blessing of God brings wealth and adds no trouble to it. Yeah. That means, come on, God wouldn't promise to give you something if it was bad for you, right? That's right. Because He's a good Father. And every good and perfect gift comes down from Him. He doesn't give you stuff that's bad for you. So for Him to say in the Scripture, I'm going to bless you with wealth, must mean He knows what He's doing. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. When He says He adds no trouble to it, that means you don't have to fret about where it comes from or how to protect it. Because that is where it gets out of balance. You see so many people, they, their whole life pursuit is, is wrapped around how do I get more and how do I protect what I have from everybody else. And that's trouble. That's, when, when it says he adds no trouble to it, that's the trouble he keeps from us. I don't have to worry about where it's coming from or how to hold on to it. He brings it into my life. Now, uh, I did say this. This is not, because the prosperity message really messes with some people's heads. This does not mean every Christian is supposed to be financially wealthy. Okay? It means you will have enough that he will meet all of your needs. But I do think there are times when we've used the excesses and the abuses to justify living in a place of lack and, and going and having nothing in our lives. Let me just ask you this question, and I'll move on from this one. If, if my dad, who's, who's not with us anymore, but if, if, if dad, when he was here, if he was the wealthiest person in the world, or he had unlimited access to resources... And he loved me, I'm his son, and I was living in poverty, hand to mouth, no clothes on my back. What would that say about the character and nature of my dad? Just throwing that out there. We, we make that connection even about a natural dad. You would look at my dad and say, you're not a very good father. You've got all this and, and your son who you say you love is going without. Why do we try to put that on God? The God who we say, he's a good, good father. He loves us all. And we, we make excuses of why we're, we're walking in lack and poverty. And it, it actually impugns his character and his nature when we do that. What kind of witness is that to the world around us when we're trying to say we have a good, good father and we justify the lack in our lives? All right, moving right along off of that one. <laughs> It's good. It's, it's okay to talk about money in church. Here's another equation for you. Our attitude plus money equals growth. This is, this is an interesting one because our relationship with money, how we handle it, our attitude towards it, whether we love it or not, whether we're good stewards of it, whether we're a person of integrity or not with our finances, it actually determines our readiness for spiritual growth in our lives. 
Come on, Pastor Chris, that, those two don't have anything to go with each other. You know, what are you talking about in that? Well, I'll tell you what I was saying, because Jesus actually said it. In Luke chapter 16 and verse 11, Jesus was talking to a group of religious leaders, guys that should have known better, should have known the Father, and guys that actually love money a little bit too much. And this is what Jesus said to them. He says in Luke chapter 16, verse 11, If you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? He's actually talking about a spiritual dynamic there. You want to see the kingdom. You want to produce its fruit. You, you want to be, for lack of a better term, you know, this, this phrase didn't exist in Jesus' day, but you want to be a good Christian. You want to be a good follower of God. You want to do the right thing. If you can't handle money, how are you going to be ready to handle any of that? If, if you can't develop integrity and good character in your relationship with natural things, what makes you think the Father's going to trust you with spiritual things? Man, the more, the more you read the Gospels and read about Jesus, the more you're like, no wonder they wanted to kill him. <laughs> Come on, here's these guys that thought they were the end-all, be-all religious leaders that knew everything there was to know about God. And Jesus says, you love money too much. And I'm not going to, the Father is not even going to trust you with producing his kingdom because of the place it's taken in your heart. You can go back and read that in context because in the rest of the passage, he goes on to talk about you can't serve two masters. You're either going to serve God or you're going to serve money. You can't do both together. They are mutually exclusive. Money will compete and want to master you. And that is the problem the Pharisees had. And Jesus says, you can't even get that right. How's the Father going to let you produce his kingdom in the world? Our attitude plus money shows whether or not we're ready for growth in the kingdom of God. It says, it actually, come on, go, go back and read that passage this week. It actually talks a little bit later down, I think, verse 14. They ridiculed Jesus. It says they mocked him. They sneered at him when he tried to tell them your, your attitude towards money affects your spiritual walk. It says they, they mocked him. Man, let's not ever be in that place. Let's, let's be soft and tender towards what he wants to do in us. But responsibility with the natural wealth that God given, has given to us shows whether or not we're ready to walk in more spiritual riches. Man, these are all hard, but they're really good. Here's, here's one more equation for you this morning. Uh, giving equals receiving. Here's what I mean by that. Uh, our giving, actually, the, the amount we give and the, the amount of generosity, what we've cultivated in our heart, our attitude towards giving actually affects how much we receive in our lives. That's a pretty easy one, isn't it? Everybody could remember that equation. Giving equals receiving. Well, where's that come from? Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. Uh, Jesus says this, give generously. Man, I love when Jesus says it, because it's not just Pastor Chris talking, it's Jesus talking. He says, give generously, and generous gifts will be given back to you, shaken down to make room for more. Because we all like more, right? Man, I want in on that. Those generous gifts given back to me. He says, abundant gifts will pour out upon you with such an overflowing measure that it will run out over the top. And then he, then he puts this caveat on it. He says, your measurement of generosity becomes the measurement of your return. However generous we are affects how much we see flowing through our lives. We, we can't wonder we can't wonder why nobody gives us stuff or blesses us when we never give stuff or bless other people. That's, that's what that verse means. 
Because we all want to be receivers, don't we? It's like if, if I had two lines like, hey, we're, we're going to do a quick spiritual gift assessment. If you want to be a giver, get in that line. If you want to be a receiver, get in this line. Which line do you think would have the most in it? Come on. My dad was hilarious. What, what was dad's famous spiritual gift? He had the gift of guest. <laughs> he, he says, I'm here to help you with your gift of hospitality. I've got the gift of guest. I'll just. Come on. We all want to be receivers, but are we being givers first? You know, he actually says the measure that you use to give determines the measure you're going to get back. Come on. We, we all want ocean sized blessings in our lives, but we're standing over here giving out thimble sized gifts. Look at your neighbor and say, ouch, there's a there's a lot of those ouch moments this morning. We're, we're thinking, God, here I am. You know, oh, the fullness of Christ, all those things you bless. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth. We, we're going to go. We write down these verses. We post them on our mirror. We start to confess them. We get we get CDs or things to listen to in the car to, to, to get these verses. And I'm going to confess the promises of God. And we want these blessings. But we're here over here pouring out gifts like this or, or holding on to them. Like here, I'm giving you this gift. And then, oh, seems to be stuck in my hand. I don't Come on, isn't that, isn't that our attitude a lot of times? And hopefully the longer we've been working with God, the more he's been working that out of us. And I'm, <laughs> I'm waiting, like, even more, Lord, get it out of me. Because he's after our hearts. He's after us being generous people. If we want to see more flow into our lives, sometimes the secret is letting more flow out of our lives. It is amazing that he really will be faithful to do that. The more, the more we become generous people, the more we begin to see flow into our lives. Yeah, and it is bigger than money. I mean, we're, we're talking about money in January, but it is so much other stuff. It's our time, our energy, our resources, our compassion for people. All these things that, that make up us. If we want to see more, sometimes we need to let more of it out. And that's... Here, here is something else about that verse that is, that is kind of almost kind of a paradox in the kingdom of God. We, we don't give to get, but we should expect to receive. There, there are so many times we, we turn giving into just this routine of, okay, well, pastor preached his sermon on giving in January, so I'm going to double down, make a good effort to tie this year, to give a little more. And, but we put it on autopilot. And we just, oh, giving is just part of the routine and we don't have any expectation attached to the seed we're sowing. And it's not, and that's where the paradox comes in. It is not this thing of, well, I'm going to give and then God's going to be obligated to give me something. You know, the word says I'm sowing, I'm going to... No, don't do that because you're weird if you do that. And, and money has become a God to you. And it's, it's awkward. And I don't, you don't even want to be around those people sometimes because they're like, yeah, we're going to give and we're going to see God bless us. But we should expect to receive. That's, 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 where, that's where Holy Spirit keeps us humble, I think. He's got to walk with us and navigate those waters so that we don't get in a, in a place of I'm giving just to get, but I don't give just to give and then never think about it. What am I expecting to see God do when I give? What? Come on. And, and we probably all, if you've been in a church long enough, you've heard some sermon somewhere about naming your seed. Anybody ever hear a sermon like that? When, when you sow a seed into the kingdom, we should expect some fruit to be produced, right? And how many of us ever just throw that seed out there, but we never think about, well, God, what, what do I want to see happen because of this? And, and 
It's not like a magic formula. It's not a one-to-one thing. But maybe if we start praying like, God, I want to see more of my family members get saved. This is, I'm, I'm going to develop a, a generous heart this year. I'm going to sow this seed so that my children will be blessed. Just like that verse we read. What, what if we actually took the time to name what we're sowing and believe God to bring something in our lives this year? And without getting all weird and, and crazy about like, I'm giving because God will have to bless me then. Don't do that. But give with an expectation of you're gonna, God is going to return something because that's who He is. That's, that's how He works. Gosh, I've got more notes than time this morning. Time. That's funny. Steve Jones just says, time is money. How many of you ever heard that? I, don't, I haven't thought exactly about how to word that one, but uh, I do think we, we say it, time is money, and it's, it's, a, it's always like just a given that that's a cliche because it's true. But I think in, in God's eyes and in God's economy, I think time is time and money is money. Because Jesus didn't say, hey, wherever you spend most of your time during the day, that's where your heart is. Okay, we'll talk about that on another week. Gosh. Can, can I leave you on a cliffhanger this week? I'll read the verse and tell you we're going to talk about it next week. Everybody down for that? Who's, who's got two more minutes? All right, two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, four. Here's the, the last equation, which was going to be moving into to the next thing I wanted to talk about, is not all gifts are necessarily the same. Your, my gift doesn't necessarily equal your gift. And here's, here's the verse that we're going to pick up with next week and look at. It's, it's like Han Solo being frozen in the carbonite. Yeah, it's cliffhanger. What am I, I can't wait till the next movie comes out. Here we go. Genesis chapter 4. Uh, when they grew up, this is the story of Cain and Abel. It says, when they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. Verse 3 says, when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Because he's a farmer, right? What else is he going to bring? I've farmed. This is what I have to bring. And it says, Abel also brought a gift, the best of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. And this made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Not all gifts are the same, and where we're going to pick up next week is there are some gifts that if you read through Scripture, God calls them acceptable gifts. And it says when Cain and Abel came before him, Abel's gift was acceptable to the Lord, and Cain's gift wasn't. What does that mean for us? Come back next week and find out. Let's go ahead and stand. I wanted to, to get a little further than that this morning, but I'll, I'll just go back to saying, uh, if, if you take nothing else away from it this week, take away that God is after your heart. And let's begin to think about the, the things that we do and say, and the things that we give, the generosity that he wants to develop in us. Is it affecting our heart? Are we giving things that are important in here? Things that really matter to us? And again, I'm this, we're not going to become one of those churches that I give everybody an amount you have to give this year. We coerce and make you give more. But God is really after some stuff. Yeah. And some of, it, some of it's in our pockets or our checkbooks. Yeah. 
gosh. I want to pray for you and just ask God to pour out more blessings this year. Because this is another thing that if we say he really is a good father, how many of you have ever withheld blessings from your kid till they were perfect and, and deserved it? Nobody's raising their hands. Some of the kids are looking at each other like, let me tell you about my dad. Come on, there, there are times when our kids didn't deserve a lick of what we gave them. Why did we do that? Why did we still give that to them when they, they weren't acting right and they weren't deserving it? Why did we do that? Because we love them. We're trying to be good parents. I think sometimes God will bless us in spite of ourselves. Just because he's a good father. And so that's part of the prayer I want to pray for you this morning. Is just ask God, Lord, bless us in spite of ourselves sometimes. And, and when he does that, what, what I'm expecting in my life and what I would like to see in our lives is let that blessing that we didn't deserve or earn, just like salvation, just like Jesus going to the cross, the things that we didn't earn, things that we didn't deserve, let it stir something in us. Let it change the way we see things. Let it impact our relationship with him and with others. Father, we come before you right now as your children knowing that you love us. Wow, God, if there's somebody in the room right now that doesn't know that, that's not sure of your love for them, just come and manifest yourself in such a way that there's no denying your love and your care for us. God, I thank you that your great love for us was seen first in our lives by the Jesus coming to the cross and you making a way for us to be your sons and daughters, to be a part of your family, to be adopted in, to experience that reality of coming into your family. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And Lord, I ask for everybody in this room right now that you would do a work in our hearts in 2016, that you would turn us more towards generosity than we've ever been oriented before, Lord God. That we would see people around us and not be able to ignore their condition, Lord God. That you would stir that compassion in us that would cause us to be givers. And God, I thank you that you are a God that loves to bless and loves to pour out your blessings upon your children because you are a good, good father. And I ask for even even the ones of us in this room that this past year we made bad decisions with our finances. We, we failed the stinginess test over and over again. Lord, let this be a day of a fresh start and new mercy that we would see your blessings continue to pour in our, in our heart and in our lives. But we wouldn't be content with remaining the way we were about it, Lord that you would stir us with gratitude, that you would stir us with generosity. Thank you, Lord. We're going to dismiss, and the altar is going to be open. But before we leave, just either where you are or if you want to come up to the altar to do it this morning, um, 
you feel like God's nudging you, I need to commit to be a giver this year. And it may not even be like you don't have an amount in your head. You're not thinking money. You may be thinking something else. But you, you just feel God prompting you, I'm going to be a giver this year. Just either right where you're standing or if you want to come up to the front to do to make that real with God, just take a second to tell him that. Just say, Lord, with your help, I'm going to, we're going to do this together this year. You are going to transform me from being the person I was into a person of generosity. And the, the front's also going to be open if you need prayer for healing in your body, you're experiencing pain, sickness, disease. Uh, come get some prayer this morning because we expect God to heal. He's, he is good in that way also. Well, Father, I thank you for your people right now. And even as we leave this place, I thank you that your favor goes with us, that your goodness and your mercy follow us, that your uh, presence goes everywhere that we go, Lord God, that you are with us. Lord, we honor you, and I ask that you would just continue to watch over us, direct our steps. Let our lives be ones that you live through, Lord God. We honor you and we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Have a great afternoon.